Hey everybody, the following episode of Talking Story with Chris Cantori here, brought to you by March and Ash, Mission Valley, and online at marchandash.com, San Diego's premier, the best dispensary in all of San Diego. You can order deliveries online at marchandash.com or be sure to visit them in Mission Valley, also opening locations in Vista and out east in the Imperial Valley. Uh, High-quality products, safe access, and doing everything uh, above bar. Legal, licensed, adult use, medicinal, they have it all, including an amazing CBD section. CBD is everywhere, needless to say, but get the real deal at March and Ash in Mission Valley. Also want to thank Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance online at BajaBound.com. If you're planning a trip south of the border, be sure to get insurance. You need car insurance. Oh, you get caught without car insurance in Mexico, not a good thing. And a lot of people venturing, not only for vacations, but uh, taking residence and uh, moving south. So if you're down south and you need auto insurance, hook it up at BajaBound.com. All right. Rebranding the show here, talking story, and uh, for, for a variety of reasons. I, I don't necessarily need to get into it. Just felt the need to rebrand, and I love talking story. It's my favorite thing to do. I go down to the beach, I hang out in the parking lot down there at Termo, park the van, and just talk. Hang with people, no agendas, no egos, all that stuff pushed aside. Just real, honest conversation, which has always been... The backbone of the podcast just felt a real need to kind of rebrand and do stuff differently. So I hope that's cool with you, and I definitely appreciate your patronage, your support. It means the world to me, whether you're a sponsor or someone up on the Patreon, which are going to be shutting down because I don't. I, now that I have a full-time job, the whole Patreon thing trips me out. But uh, today, really happy to have an old friend in studio. It's been a while. We're talking story with Bird Huffman, the owner of Bird Surf Shed right off Morena Boulevard. They also have a new location in OB, or it's been up for a minute now. And uh, I've been meaning to get Bird on a podcast for a while. We have a long history together, and uh, let's do it. Also want to thank Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for helping us out with our background music. They've got a new record out right now in the cut. Certainly recommend that as we welcome Bird Huffman of Bird Surf Shed into the studio. Oh, Chris, just another rainy day in San Diego. Kind What's of, this all about? Uh, you know, you kind of have to love it if you're San Diegan. You have to kind of love the fact that we've got rain. But being the creatures that we are and as spoiled as we are, we get tired of it pretty <laughs> quick. So Ain't that the truth. Right now I'm trying to love the liquid sunshine. I get it. So uh, you were born in San Diego? Yep, not too far away. Mercy Hospital, right up uh, across the road there. Tell me about your first memory of San Diego. First memory of San Diego is being at La Jolla Cove with my mom and, you know, at that time, my uh, two brothers and oldest sister. It's the beach. That's the first memory I can really remember yeah. is, is being in that warm, warm sand and, and at the time, warm water, you know. Yeah. So that's really what I first start out with. You're, you really, that's the first place you go to is the ocean. Yeah, instantly. It's like, I don't know, it always has been. And what year were you born? Uh, 1957, April 17th, 1957. Fellow Aries. 62, brother. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, just last month. Happy birthday. I can't Thank even you, imagine. Sir. I'm tripping out on being 50. 
What's yeah. it like being in your 60s? Uh, 60s is another another nicer side of, of the, the 50s. Yeah. You know, the 50s is a, a very, very tough age coming into that age because, you know, um, you're, you're neither here you're, or you're not quite there. You're more on the other side than you are on the younger side. Yep. But by 62, you're definitely on the other side. <laughs> so your appreciation of everything, I think, grows more. Yeah. Your understanding and, and appreciation of what you've got and um, hopefully what you've, you've been able to give back to the community and uh, the people around you. You start to feel, um, I, at least for me, I start to feel a little bit more comfortable in myself. I like hearing that. That's yeah. I, I hope to get it, to that it's point. something to look forward to. <laughs> I tell you. Don't be afraid of age now because you can't get away from it. Embrace it. Well, when you look back, what would you say your hardest decade was? My hardest decade probably would have been when I left South Coast, you know, and that would have been like 2000. Okay. So 40s, um, you were in your 40s at that yeah, point? I was, yeah, I would say, yeah, in my, in my 40s, late 40s. You it's know, been my hardest decade. Right, heading into the 50s, you know. I mean, there's, there's, at that time, you plan in your life, hopefully, as we're younger, to be, you know, I've got to be a success by then. I have to have my act together. Everything has to be lined up and hunky-dory. And um, if you're not, not there or you think you're not there, yeah, it can tear you up. That's what happened to me. It started, you, your mind will cannibalize itself because yep. especially living in a town like San Diego where you've lived all your life and you see your peers and they're living different lives and maybe you're living and that just perpetuates it right it absolutely does you're like well why am i not there you know and you don't want to be jealous of people and you don't you're not necessarily are thinking that way so much but right. you know you start to question question yourself your own worth time. yeah what what have i what have i done have i done enough you know or what did i do wrong right that's a big one right there what could i have done so that i wouldn't be asking this question right now yep and I, I don't think there's any any right or wrong answer to that for anybody other than it's just part of your life experience. Where did you really start in the surf industry in San Diego? Oh, it was easy for me because um, a block away from where I lived in Mission Hills, Phil Casanola owned Select Surf Shop. Okay. And Phil, um, that was about 1969, 70. I started to hang out at his shop. I was like 12 years old and I started, you know, doing the usual Grom grunt work. Sure. And I just never left. You know, I hung with him for 10 years, went to Surf Systems for a couple of years, managed that, started my own shop with uh, Ernie Higgins and Bill Castor, and then eventually uh, merged with uh, Rob Art and uh, Eric Tremonti into the South Coast realm for a solid 20 years. Yeah, see, that's obviously where I know you from and was my introduction to you. But before that... Tell me more about the shop that you opened before South Coast. Well, the one before South Coast was the culmination of the 10 years that I had had it at Select, which was at the time the coolest shop. It wasn't the most profitable shop possibly because it was run more like a typical surf shop of that time. You know, there's a lot of a uh, freewheeling and dealing and, and different <laughs> things going on um, because again, it was a different time. From there, I went right to um, La Jolla Surf Systems, which was the best shop at the time because it had the funding. It had a very charismatic person behind it, Jeff Junkins and um, Helen Sully Jones, his partner. Uh, they had money to back it. So I went from basically rags to riches, realized that wasn't for me. There was conflicts in, in that, uh, that position as manager. So I finally said, hey, you know, 12 years of doing this, I'm just going to do my own. So I just did it. Bill Castor kicked in the surfboards, Ernie Higgins kicked in a little capital, took a loan from my pop, right. you know, and started the whole the whole caboodle for like 20 grand. And that was South Coast at this point? No, nope, that was uh, Wind and Sea Beach and Surf. 
Okay. That was my own personal shop. So I went through that for another 10 years, 11 years, all the highs and lows. And then why did that lows. shutter then? If you were... um, the opportunity came to, uh, to merge. I was in the same situation as, a, as at that time, I ended up being a sole proprietor. Uh, Ernie went on to other things. Uh, fortunately, Bill Castro passed away and I was a sole proprietor again in the very, very mm. difficult times of the late eighties, nineties. Got when it. The shops were going through some, some turmoil. I needed capital and Rob Ard wanted to expand the South Coast Enterprise. And, um, you know, he came to me about, hey, you know, what are you thinking about partnering up? And I looked at everything that they had and, and their business plan at the time, and it was very successful. And I figured, yeah, that, you know, I could I can work within that that business plan. And so we merged up and it was uh, pretty good for quite a few years. Yeah. And then you said, obviously, in the 40s, that's uh, and I remember that time when you split. Yeah. What was that time like? Was it hard after? You being so, uh, you're, you know, now you're bird surf shit. Yeah. It's just so amazing how you reinvent yourself over mm-hmm. the years. I have so much respect yeah. for you there. But I, I, I know or I would imagine that departure wasn't great, right? No, it was difficult. You know, it was it was the best of times and the worst of times. You know, it, it was good when I got out. This, the uh, the uh, relationship had stagnated. Sure. I was more board driven and they were more, uh, you know, retail orientated. So at the same time, it caused me to make a, a personal decision to where I wanted to go in, in my surfing life. And I remember very distinctly, I, I was surfing restaurants in, um, in Tavarua, and I was pretty much out there on a solo session back then. There weren't very many people on the island. And I was just thinking here, kind of going, God, what do I do? I've got all these surfboards. My partnership is failing. Do I just go home, sell it all, and, and just bail on this whole surf scene and maybe get into real estate with my brother Rex or, you know, just totally get off, get <laughs> I off. I know. The, we all you know, go there, real estate. We all go yeah. to real estate. Or, you know, or do I go back and do I do I reinvent myself? So I made that decision that, you know, to take, take uh, advantage of the resources and all the knowledge that I had accrued and went back home, separated from South Coast, and uh, I started Bird Surf Shed with the concept of um, going back to the basics, right. basic surfboards, surfboards were the key. Yeah, I mean, so I just started from the ground, right ground right back up again. And how scary was that, man? Pivoting, going from more of a, you know, oh. several locations, yeah. more of a corporate environment. Reminds me what I was doing with the website and just, I yeah. don't have a business sense, so that was so daunting to me, which is why I ask you. Yeah, well, my, my business sense, my, um, my technique, you know, my ability to sell, my my uh, knowledge of the, the industry inside and out, that helped from that standpoint because um, I knew what I was going to do. But to get there, it takes a lot. And I learned this through the South Coast uh, organization was, you know, it takes a lot more people than just one. Yeah. So, you know, I had to get into it, ground up, you know, working seven days a week again, which, you know, for the most part until re- recently I still do. And um, this time I was able to accrue people. I surrounded myself with a couple extremely key people, uh, Brian Lowe, uh, for one of them, Isaac Wood, a couple very, very key people that had the realization of my vision and they grew it with me. Yeah. So I had support. So I didn't have all this weight on my shoulders. Those early adopters, know? people that were just people carrying the, the flag faith. for you. Absolutely. Man, that helps. Well, the community. More yep. than anything, you know, I mean, look where my location is. It's as far from the beach as any surf shop is outside of basically Claremont Surf Truth. Shop. And uh, it's in an area that is, you know, least conducive for most people to a surf shop. It's in an industrial area off of Marina Boulevard, you know. 
So people literally had to come and they still do. They have to come and find me. Yeah. And uh, that's not a good thing for retail. You know, it's retail yeah, it's is true. location, location, location. But, but what, if you've got the right vibe and the right yeah. setting and, and the right environment, people will travel. It's funny. I even have a buddy down here from Santa Cruz, my friend John. He just hit me up and he's like, hey, man, where should I go? Looking for a surf shop. <laughs> yeah. And this is you're on your way here. And I'm like, bird surf shed. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, like the Alfred Hitchcock movie. I'm like, uh, yes, the bird, the birds. Yeah. Well, you know, it's worth the check out because it's it's so much more than just a surf shop. Yeah. Or it's complete surf shop in the way it used to be again when I was a kid. Because back in those days, there was no Quicksilver, there was no Billabong, yeah. there were no major labels. Your your girlfriend or your mom or you know your uh, wife sold the trunks. You know, you had boards. There were no leashes. There was wax. Yeah. There were wetsuits. But all the accessories and all the things that people have come to accept into the surf world, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, were not there. So you depended upon your knowledge, your equipment that you sold, and um, your willingness to want to help people get better at their surfing. Yeah. And I found that to be lagging in most surf operations nowadays. That is definitely not the, inf you know, the emphasis. There'll be selected people within every organization that might still carry that flame, but as a general rule, most uh, retail surf shop operations right now are, are very, very money orientated um, at the expense. Sometimes. You're fighting Amazon. Yeah. They've got their eye on Amazon and less on you know, the consumer. Yeah. I mean, there has to be somebody there that can be there for the consumer. Right. You know, and there always will be as, as crazy as it gets in the surf world. I mean, or any world for that matter, face to face as we were speaking, that, that will never leave. Um, you know, you're going to always have to have that, that mono on mono kind of a reaction or that kind of a, a relationship with people. I agree, which is why I even rebranded this podcast forever. It was Cantori and you. And I'm like, dude, it's not about me. It's not about the website. It's it's about talking story yeah, and having this connection. Oh, it's the best because it, you Nothing open better. up in so many different ways, you know, talking, texting, all that other stuff, you know, you, you, you get to the point maybe, but sometimes the point is as important as the road it is to get to that point. I agree. Which is, you know, which is the conversation between human beings. So when you relaunched and you, you, you leave South Coast and you do the birds thing, and, and there's so many corporations and these big label brands, and was it scary, daunting? Throwing, like, did you feel almost like punk rock, like it was you against the industry at that point? It was me against the industry completely because um, – I, I had the vision in my mind. I saw where those guys were going. You know, it was, again, as I said, the worst of times, best of times or whatnot. I saw it imploding. I saw the meltdown coming ahead of us. I had written up proposals to my partners stating what I saw coming in advance. And I had a, you know, a two-year plan, three-year plan on what we needed to do to not fall into where the industry was heading, to separate ourselves from other people and to actually strengthen um, ourselves Your own brand. by going back to basics and by going back to, you know, more, more brand genius, but um, it didn't fit where they wanted to go. So I took that over to where I wanted to go. Yeah. And that was the only thing I had to fall on. It was, it was my, my knowledge and my, at that time, 40 years of, of dealing with people in, in the hopes that they would, they would seek me out. And, yeah. um, and, and they, they do, did. right? Yeah. They're doing that. The major Still. labels totally, you know, 20 years I built those guys up, started those guys, watched them grow, helped them, and they were completely, um, with the ex exception of a very few, Rusty helped out, Bob Hurley helped out, but with the exception of most major brands, I was spoiled goods, yeah. and they wanted they wanted nothing to do with me at all. I get that. 
Yeah, know? and that hurts, it, right? Yeah, that hurts it hurt because personal relationships were there. You know, I mean, that I, I took personal. Right. You know, I mean, outside of business, I have a friend. I don't have business friends. I have friends, and if they're in a business, that's fine. You know, but um, I don't want to not have friends because we can't do business together. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's touchy. I get it. You know, but I mean, it's I just, super touchy. You know, I wish everybody the best on all that stuff. South coast is thriving. The people yep. I sold my shares to are rocking. Yep. Um, it I goes do work on. with South coast. I've got nothing yeah. but love for South Absolutely. coast. Nothing and, but and love still, for you. Still, when I need help from South coast, the principal peoples are now in, in place. The other people that I dealt with pretty much are, are no longer there. They've uh, retired or whatnot, but the principal people behind it still, if I have an issue, if I've got a, a need or whatever, we call up, we interact, you know, we share. Same with Claremont Surf Shop, Mitch's Surf Shop, Encinitas Surf Shop, you know, Surfy Surfy when it was Surfy Surfy. You know, I mean, you, you have to stick with the people that, that have the like-mindedness in your business and, and help each other out. Yeah. You know? And you've really, and something I've wanted to tell you for a while, man, is you've really helped me out over yeah. the years. I'll tell you, dude. First of all, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be in the water right now. So let me just start yeah. there because I was the guy who loved talking about the surf culture, loved being part of it, but I didn't surf. I, I, I wasn't in the water, and you got me over that bridge many years ago when I was in my 30s and kind of scared to put myself out there, and then you got me out there. And not only did you get me out there, you lent me boards and you let me be, and you didn't hang the stuff over my head or you just let me become my own in the surf world, in the water, and I'm I'm forever indebted, Bird. Well, isn't that what surfing is about, Chris? Yeah. You know, I mean, really, I mean, that's the essence of surfing. No matter how you get to it, if you get to it, it it's what you want to make out of it. For me, the best parts of it are exactly what you said. It's a it's a one on one situation, you know. It can be competitive if that's what you want, but for me, it's the relationship with the ocean and my maker and um, the simple act of, of being in the ocean. Riding the waves, even as you get older, becomes secondary as much as just being out there. And to be able to share, and that's the blessing that I've experienced all these years of, of doing what I've done, is the uh, the infinite amount of people that I feel that I've been able to you know get comfortable in the ocean that's me and and to, to give them a, a taste of what i've been so you know so grateful to have my whole life and why would you not want to do that yeah. you know i mean it's a mission for me it's a passion and it's it's a mission there's a surfer in everybody whether they know it or not and if it, they want it to come out i'm there to help it come out for them yeah and i carried so much guilt too something i never really told you too. Yeah. remember the uh the munoz board the big yeah. wood board yeah sure the big beast and i held on to it longer than i should have and you never rode me about it. You never judged me for it. You just let me have my experience with the board and you knew it would come back to you. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, it, it's, I'm pretty liberal with loaning people boards and equipment and, you know, 99% of the time they come back. Yeah. You know, I let this one guy borrow. I had a new, uh, at that time, at Channel Islands and the guy wanted to test it out and let him borrow it as usual. You know, it's just a handshake and a borrow, bring it back. Never came back. It never came back. Yeah. You know, it never came back. And I always kind of wondered about that amongst some other ones. And then five years later, the guy shows back up and he, he had been incarcerated shortly after I let him borrow the board. Damn. He had, he had to go to the joint and the, he brought the board back. It was in perfect shape. It had gone in his mom's garage. You know, he couldn't use it. She stored it till he got out of the joint. And he goes, man, you know, I can't ride it anymore, you know, really, because I'm, I'm not, you know, I got to catch up on my surfing. 
here it is back. I'll pay you for it. I'll do whatever. And I told him, you know, that just keep it, you know, learn to write it again. If you want, use it as an inspiration to get better, to get back on that board. Or if you need to go ahead sell it and buy another board that's going to fit you, whatever. It's just a surfboard. Yeah. You know, you're the person, you know, the surfboard is nothing about somebody riding it. Yeah. It was so just, again, you've got to get it in the people's hands and let them, let them, um, do what they need to do with it. Yeah, it was just such a soul move. I just feel like in a world where we're always hanging stuff over each mm -hmm. other, it was just one of those things where I was just like, man, I was I was riddled in guilt because I just know I was overextending my welcome with this board, but at the same time, it filled such a void in my life, and I just really wanted to thank you for that. At that, that particular moment, it saved my life in a lot of ways, man. Well, it's... Thank you for that. But again, you know, I, I come from a, a, a large family, eight brothers and sisters, and the way we were brought up, it was always about sharing and, and giving and, and things of that sort, you know. And to this day, people come in, they need to borrow equipment. I could rent it to them. You know, if you roll into town and you're here for three or four days and you want to surf, you know, if you come in with the right attitude and I've got something for you to ride, I'm all here. Take the board. If you have fun with it, I've got a little tip box in front of the shop. It's something my son-in-law made for me. It says bird feed. If you want, throw a couple ducats in the, the tip box. In the bird feed. The I bird love feed, it. You know, and that'll go into it, you know, um, because my other shop we rent, we do the whole spiel, but it bird surf shop or bird surf shed original, it's still a little bit more just kind of touchy-feely, handsy, take it, ride it, enjoy it, feedback. I don't know. It's 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 hard to describe. Yeah. You know? So uh, obviously, fun. of course, man, and you're living it, and you're still doing it into your yeah. 60s, which is my next question for you. Which mm. is when you look at your trajectory, who are some of your favorite uh, personalities, surf personalities in San Diego? Well, you know, you got to go top of the top of the heap. You know, in terms of icon status, would be Skip Fry, obviously because uh, of his longevity and his. Uh, his shaping ability is is great, but his personality is is greater. You know, his his stoke is perennial and forever, and you know, so he's the top in in terms of that aspect of it. Hank Warner is probably one of the most important surf personalities in my life because of uh, his dedication to the sport, his knowledge of the sport, or if you want to call surfing a sport, his knowledge of surfing. And uh, we've had some, you know, some heavy times together that we've worked through together. And uh, he's just an all-around great guy. And now, when you say heavy times, like I know Hank, like what does that mean exactly? Heavy times in terms of, uh, of going through the ups and downs of the surf industry, mm -hmm. the highs and lows, you know, sometimes you're at the top. He might be at the top shaping a million boards, and I might be lower down, you know, not selling boards. And I might be selling a mil million boards, and he might be on the other side of it. Right. So it's always been, you know, that kind of thing where if, if one of us is down, the other is usually there to back back the other person up. That's awesome. You know, and I mean, there could be times in the, between there where there's disagreements because there's always disagreements amongst friends, but never to the point where, you know, we didn't uh, discontinue our friendship or the friendship didn't go, grow stronger. Right. And that's no more evident than me and Joe Roper. Talk about a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I mean, you know. Me, me and Roper. We That's go, interesting. We so, well, we started out. It's funny you say that you know, because Joe Roper, who's actually has his uh, his repair shop, is uh, right around the corner from here. Absolutely, I'm going there next. I, I've never had more than like five words with the guy because he's always intimidated me. Oh, it's boy. hysterical you say that because I get that, but I don't know why I get that. He's, he's the typical, you know, he's the typical guy that 
puts people off in some aspects. He's uh, he'll, he'll never forget. He remembers everything. <laughs> he, he comes on strong, you know. Okay. He's earned everything he's ever gotten. Yeah. He's worked very, very hard. He's very opinionated. There's a lot about him that people see on the outside um, that, that would be a little bit prickly parish. But uh, you can get around that pretty easily. I, I don't know of anybody who's probably more giving in the industry than him. That's Talking awesome. Talking about helping people out. You know, that guy has fixed more boards, turned more people on to more things than, than probably anybody I can really think of. Um, and, and he'll never talk about it. He's mellowed out. He's gotten older. We all are. He's yeah. a little bit younger than I am, but you know, he's climbing up that ladder. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that guy's, I mean, that guy's physically saved me at least three instances from getting my butt kicked. He's jumped in, <laughs> you know, literally jumped in on people in the water, pulled them off me, ran down cliffs, jumped on a guy that was, come on. Me. Yeah, no, all right. Up. Tell me a story. I want to hear. One. Uh, what was the last? When was well, the last one? Okay, so last no, week. It's been a while. No. <laughs> a good one was I. there was a guy out. I was surfing PB years ago, probably 40 years ago now, 35 maybe. And uh, there was this guy that owned a shop down the street. He was kind of a, a punk ass, really mean to the other guys. And he was hassling one of, one of the, the kids that hung at my shop. So I got in his face about it, and then he got in my face about, well, I'm going to kick your ass kind of thing. And I went, yeah, well, whatever. And I just kept surfing. Well, I came in and sure enough, he was waiting on the beach and Come he, on. he threw a punch and knocked my teeth out, chipped my teeth. What? And, uh, you know, he was starting to wail on me, you know, he's going to break your nose. And I'm just like, not really believing it's happening because I'm not a real man of violence. You know I mean? Right. We, we always yell at each other out in the water, but you know, I'm going to kick your ass or whatever. Yeah. It's all but, you yeah. know, when it's barking, just, yeah, barking it's, seals. It's barking, but this guy was, was, you know, lit up and he was wailing on me and, you know, Next thing I know, out of the corner of my bloody eye, I see Roper jump off the cliff. At that time at PB, there was no walkway. There was right. a little path. I remember that. He runs right down that cliff, man, little Joe, Stocky Joe, and he just jumps on this guy and pins him down to the ground and, and you know, just stuffs the guy's Pounding face. Pounding him. Yeah, stuffs the guy's face in the sand and gave me enough time to kind of get up and shake it off and... You know, by then, again, Hank Warner was on the bluff. There were a bunch of people on Damn. the bluff. Because the guy had been sitting up there talking about how he was going to kick my ass when I came in. Holy shit. So there were people shit. waiting to see the showdown, right? And, uh, you know, I, I crumbled under the pressure. You know, I, just, I was never expecting to get Yeah, hit. I wouldn't know what to do. No. And then, you know, Joe pulled me out of that, and and he defused the situation. That's so but, funny. But, you know, I mean, I could have gotten, you know, really worked because everybody else was up there watching. Yeah. But Joe was the one going... He got in there. This ain't happening. Good know? for him. And we were we were good friends at the time, but we were awful, also uh, all, also very um, competitive because we surfed the rock together. He was much better. He was goofy foot. I'm backside. I'm sitting on the corner. And to know Joe, he, he, he's a sparrer. He always loves to, to shoot little insults and, and little jives at you. Yep. You know, he likes to cause reactions. That's you know? funny. So yeah, I could going, see we're going back earlier. Forth, I could see know? that. Yeah. But again, that's that prickly skin underneath that there, man. Softy. You know, I mean, no, he, no, he's just like, he's there. Yeah. So we've gotten in huge blowups about who's patching whose boards or who's doing this or who's doing Crazy. that. But we've always, always been able to circumnavigate it. Um, so, I mean, he, he's the closest thing to a brother outside of my three brothers as, as I've ever had. Now, let me ask you this. I even yeah. had this conversation yesterday because, you know, we talked before we popped on. I was at the beach and in the parking lot. And I hold all you guys in such a high regard, yourself, uh, Roper, Skip, all these people you've mentioned in the course yeah. of this, you know, this piece. 
And uh, who's the heir apparent? I, I'm worried. Like, when you guys age out, let's just call it age out. That's a good way to say it. Are, are there people in the wings, man? Because I'm not that guy. I look at my community, and we're not those guys. Are there people that are – are there the next birds, the next ropers in line? Yeah. The next skips? Yeah, there is. There, yeah. there, there always is going to be because there's always going to be people that are going to love surfing. And, and love life in general, no matter what you're doing. I, I've got, I have to hold that faith. You know, you might not see them. Sometimes people don't rise to the occasion until the occasion, you know, shows itself. But, you know, you got JoJo, who's, you know, following in his dad's footsteps. He's JoJo massive, Roper. Yeah, JoJo Roper, correct. Little Joe, if you want to call him that, although he's not. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, he rides waves as big as any Monsters. person in the world. Holy cow, big and, wave know, surfer. He runs his dad's operation. My son is helping me. My son Jackson is run to my operation Good. you know if he wants to, to you know to continue to do so that opportunity will be a, will be available for him there's younger shapers you know there's the mccallums there's the josh halls there's the um dominic Pichons, there's the there's a bunch of other guys that are very well entrenched inside of the board building aspect of it as well um that i think will, will carry that that part forward uh, i'd like to see more people more interested in the history of it because uh, the history gets diluted as you I agree go with on you. the internet and as you go on other forms of social media or whatnot, it can get confused and it can get um, absorbed and diluted very quickly. So I, I would like to see more people um, stepping up to that. But um, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Again, with the shed, I'm trying to set it up so that it's a, it's a place of information as well. Besides just boards, I've got magazines, wetsuits, trunks, pictures i mean there's so much history in there that um sooner or later when i am on the other side of the, the this earth somebody's gonna have to go through that stuff and i'm just trying to set people up with the, the willingness to want to yeah and the hope that they will go through it and then they'll continue to re, you know use it as a resource and i think they will yeah i, I don't I think so. i don't no. think that narrative narrative with with san diego and our surf history is ever going to leave not with san diego no I mean, it's deep I, you know it's it's deep, and the belief here is the same as it was when I, I was a kid. Anybody who's grown up in San Diego surfing, they know the depth of it. Um, they, they're very, very proud of it. They understand that, you know, you separate it from the limelight. You don't see a lot of pro surfers coming out of San Diego, not because the ability isn't there. They just don't want to play that game. You know, mm. the surfing itself is, is more personal to them, I think. You know, the, the And why does so many move here, then, after their careers? because... Well, there you go again that yeah. kind of vibe you, if you're if you're in the movie business your whole life and you're in tinseltown or whatnot when you get out is that where you want to hang out no. or you want to go kind of hang in montana with regular people or you know do you want to go somewhere some seaside town and kind of cruise i don't know i'm not in hollywood but to me to take yourself out of that and to put yourself in an area that you still get to do what you love but at a, a mellower pace and maybe a little bit more respectful pace. Yeah. Not a bad idea. So a lot of those guys will, will migrate down to Southern California and the lower part, which is, you know, for me, Oceanside South is Southern California for me. Me too. You know, anything north of that is, is obviously not Northern California. It's just North. It's just North. Yeah. It's just, you know, and it is what it is. And know? how do you describe, and I really don't have the answer to this. That's why I'm asking you, because my parents still live in L.A., and I'll go and I'll surf, you know, Malibu, Topanga, or whatever, try to hit some of the L.A. spots, and I just don't like surfing in L.A. And I'm wondering what is really, what's the fundamental difference between 
San Diego surf and Los Angeles surf. Or the s- fundamental, the fundamental difference is the variety of surf that we have here. Mm. Number one, you know, you're you're relegated mostly in those areas to beach breaks, pier breaks, jetty breaks, things of that nature. So Got you it. don't have the reef breaks that we have down here, and um, it doesn't have, despite what they might say about it being, you know, surf city. It could be surf city in terms of popularity, but it, I don't think it has quite the, the heritage that San Diego has um, in terms of board building and production, innovation, and things of that sort. Yep. And there'll be a million people that will kill me for that. That. No, I agree uh, with that, you. That observation, you know, everybody thinks their hometown's best, but you look at the designers that have come out of San Diego, the Diffendurfers, the Currens, um, oh God, the Ekstroms, the Mirandin brothers, uh, it goes on and on and on. There, there's a lot of depth to what they do beyond just making surfboards. You know, the, the, the ideas that went into their surfboards is special. You know, surfboard building is pretty popular, obviously, throughout Southern California. But it's one thing to build a board. It's another thing to design and innovate on a board. And I, I truly believe there's more innovation that comes out of the San Diego area than other areas up until uh, you maybe get to Santa Barbara. Sure. And then they've got their whole legacy. I agree with that. How do you feel about the whole, and I know this is even trite to bring up, but I'm genuinely curious, your opinions on the whole wave storm culture. It it just, I know you made fun of them years ago, but it it's not slowing down, man. These wave storms and these foam boards, more and more in the lineup, out the beach by the day. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? It's like uh it's, it's a bad thing in some aspects because nowhere on a wave storm does it tell you how to surf. Right. So it's like, you know, it's like basically giving somebody a, keys to a car that haven't taken driving lessons and telling them to go on the freeway. Yeah. You know, so people pile out there with, with no idea of, of what they're doing and um, they're having fun, which is great. We should all have fun. But when they start to have fun, at somebody else's expense, then you have to look at it from a, a serious standpoint. I I love the idea that they get people in the water because yeah. I'm hoping those people will, will get we'll transition. into surfing. And yeah, either they'll transition or they'll still pick up on the groove of, of surfing. I don't like when I get people that are out there and want to play bumper car. Right, where they think it's just you know? a, a license to be more reckless because exactly. it's just a foam you know, board. And then the attitude starts coming up that, you know, you can't tell me what to do. It's not your beach. Uh, no, it's not my beach, but I spend more time here than you do. I spent my life here at, in, than you do. And like anything that you do, be it fishing, basketball, golf, whatever, there's etiquette. You yep. know, there, there are unwritten rules. The grocery store, there's Thank etiquette. You. Yeah, driving in the parking lot. You know, I mean, there were, there were things that, you know, you should have in your, your little mind before you jump into anything. Um, and it, it's tough, you know, and you're right. It, right now, it's, it's pretty much a fad thing issue as well. I mean, yeah. there's tons of software companies, a lot of kids jumping into it. There's people, unfortunately, that get together groups of people and then they want to take over a whole break. They'll bring 30 people, go down the trestles or whatever. Jeez. 30 people in wave storms because they want to take it over. They're thinking that's fun. They're trying to that's you know, not set fun. a point, so I, you know, trying to do whatever. Um, <clears throat> That, that can cause issues. Yeah. You know, it's a cause and effect deal. I, I'm not uh, against them by any means. There's a point and a purpose for them. By yeah, all to go means. out and have a little fun yeah. and just, you know, you don't want yeah. to lug the big fiber or whatever the yeah. case is. It, but It doesn't matter how good you surf on them. Not everybody's a Jamie O'Brien. Right. Um, good point. And, and he wants to do it. You know, he's got that capability to do it. And more importantly, he's earned 
the right to do it because to drop in a pipeline yeah, on a phone board fine right but you think any of those guys are going to let 15 other yahoos go out that there and big jump rock on the or storm? no way no you're going to get you're going to get flack on that and yeah. then who's going to be called a jerk the guy on the softboard or the guy who's trying to basically protect that person from hurting himself herself yeah. or the actual surfers it's going to be that guy who's acting like the aggressor yeah. when when in fact the aggressor could be the person that's coming out there on that on that wave storm right. and, and potentially causing damage. When it comes to the actual act of surfing and you're talking about tapping into that groove that you can, I'm sure, tap into on a wave storm, I am curious because I, I was surfing yesterday and I, I had this moment where, and I'm curious if this happens to you, Bird, where I hadn't been in the water for a couple of weeks and I, I, I caught my first wave and as I, I'm riding the wave, I start seeing almost, uh, and, and there were no drugs or hallucinogenics involved, but lights, flickering lights. Like, I feel like I'm tapping into some, like, outer world. And, and then I, I, I rode the wave in and then got very emotional and found myself actually crying, tears coming down my face after I rode a wave. And I'm wondering, have you ever experienced anything like outer body like that yeah there's no no doubt about it you know um again with many things in life uh surfing in particular depending upon where you are with it it's it's a very very soulful thing to do and it's it's a high energy it's a high energy activity with no energy involved other than the energy of nature and and you know the energy that you have in your body so when that can connect together at its purest times not even in the act of maybe getting the best wave of your life or anything, no. but when the when it clicks right, you know that that dolphin pops up next to you, the sun hits your eyes, you know, you see somebody else get a perfect wave. It's pretty overwhelming that so much can come out of so little. You know, the act of surfing itself and being in, in that environment, it's it's so pure, um, you know that yeah, it can be absolutely overwhelming. There's many times I'm walking out at the end of the day watching the sunset. And, and, you know, thanking whoever you want to thank, for me, it's God, you know, that I, I have what I've gotten, that I've been given what I've gotten. There's many times I walk out after surviving a day where I haven't gotten killed going, man, thank you for that too. Yeah. So the emotions on it are very, very extreme, and they can manifest themselves through you in huge, huge ways. A good example of that is um, the people that help the wounded warrior type people, mm. veterans, and other people that have special uh, needs type of surfers. I work with them quite a bit, and there's a big, big push on uh, surfing through that uh, organization. And you want to see people that get lit up by, by spirit and stoke and soul off of surfing. You, t you talk to those people, and you watch, and you yeah. help those people, and that will give you a whole different idea of not only what surfing can do, but what the human spirit can can be if you just just let it out you know yeah people have a tendency to i think to bottle things up too much they're afraid to show emotion i think the world would be a much better place if you just just cut it loose once in a while and um and just let it out you know i mean it may maybe not be politically correct um i'm not sure what that even means anymore personally Me neither. but um i like the idea that if you want to smile and you want to shout and you want to hoot at somebody because they're having a good time let it out you know i mean if you're enjoying it and, you know, somebody you don't know is ripping, paddle up and tell them, man, that was a sick one. You know yep. I mean? Just shoot. 
That's true in all areas good. of life. Oh, yeah. Call all areas of life. Open the door for someone. Patch him in somebody in the back. Give them the parking spot. Whatever it is, <clears throat> it's real easy to give. Yep. It's a lot easier to give than it is to take. And I've never felt a time in my life where I gave something that I feel guilty for giving. There's lots of times when I've taken stuff that I feel guilty. So as I get older, I... Man, it's so true. And that I, takes I us tired, back to what... I, I get tired of feeling guilty. Man, so, and that takes us know. back to what I was just saying moments ago about the guilt I had from using your board, but yeah. you were the one giving. So therefore, yeah. why would you be in a position to judge me? Because you're giving and I was the one feeling, wow, that's heavy. The, that's the funniest thing when when I, I get accolades from whoever. Um, I'm so humbled to be in the position where I am at and... It's always the thank you, thank you, you did this, you do that. And yeah, sure, it's appreciated. <clears throat> but I am ultimately the one that is, that is getting it. Whatever I give to somebody, I get back tenfold in, in terms of personal satisfaction and, and a good feeling to me. So um, why would you not? That's like somebody gives you five bucks and then you just got, you know, or you give somebody five bucks, well, you just got 500 bucks back. Yeah. You know, in, in a different way, I different, get it. different currency. Currency. Way different, but, and that's the currency that matters, and that's the currency, in my opinion, that really yeah. defines what true success is, not that house on the hill. No, no, and that's to this day, that's what keeps my stoke. You know, yeah, I drag my hills. I mean, it's been 52 years I've been working at surf shops, and I work with some pretty tough customers now. Internet age, you get people calling up, can you match this price? People come in, a guy yeah. came in yesterday, tried on a pair of Birdwell trunks, tried on five pairs, Found a pair he liked. I love Birdwells. Yeah. And then I go, okay. hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. He goes, are you going to get them? He goes, no, I'm just going to go online. Ah! They, 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 do, they tell you that right to your face. They try on wetsuits. They find what you want. And well, then I, they I, leave I, and go on. That's so I awful. I found this online. Can you match this price? I go, no, I can't. I go, I could, but I, I, I'm not going to because I wouldn't be here next time you came in and wanted to try somebody's product if I sold you something at my cost or yep. under my cost. So, you know, you make that conscious decision. If you want to go out and support the online thing, that's 100% on you. I don't care. There's times I buy online. I'm not preaching that, you know, I don't take advantage of certain things. But um, Yeah, I'm, but I'm when hoping. it comes to this stuff, that's where you've well, got to yeah. support. If you want people to be there for you when you want them to be there for you, then you have to support your, your businesses and you have to support live human beings, you know. And, and people talk about, you know, uh, the modern age and you know all this kind of stuff how modern do you want it and what are you going to give up to, to achieve you know what you think is better you better be careful yep. before you go too far and before you want to write off human human compassion and, and human interactivity you know you better be careful of what you wish for because so uh, true you know i don't want to live in george Edson land with robots and stuff no. Well, thank you for being <laughs> there for me. Yeah, sure. And more importantly, thank you for being there for San Diego. Uh, solid.